Welcome to the Main Break, the Standards Weekly Footy Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Main Break. I'm Nick Ansell. I'm here with Justin McCullavese, Sean Hardiman, and AFL Western Districts, Matt Ross. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, thanks for thanks for coming on. It's I think we were saying off air just then that um, it's only been about nine months, but um, it's been been probably the longest nine months of of any winter with no footy or netball on. Um, how have you found your first nine months in the role, Matt? It's um, trying times for footy at the moment, but uh, obviously a little bit a little bit different to, to to what a normal year looks like. <clears throat> yeah, and like it's a dream come true to to get a job in footy full time. Like I'm, I'm very privileged to to have the position I have, but I think it's the worst nightmare to have a pandemic uh, occur as well. So, um, yeah, definitely um, something out of the ordinary. But uh, I guess, yeah, look, it's hard for me, but it's hard for everyone involved in footy. It's, it's hard for you, know, you as journalists as well. Um, but there is some silver lining, I think, to it all that will come out of this a little bit stronger. And um, we've definitely sort of improved the way we work, even how we're recording this now using technology. A lot of our clubs and league boards are now using technology as well. So, yeah, it's, it's bad, but there's also some good things to it as well, I think. How do you think the clubs and the leagues have coped, Matt, with the situation that they've been dealt? I mean, there was a lot of uncertainty for a period of time before they decided to um, cancel their senior seasons. Um, yeah, how did you think they approached the whole situation? Yeah, I think the common theme was there was a fair bit of fatigue um, through that time. Um, we're all sort of hanging out for the next announcement on what the government were going to do or what this uh, virus was going to do next and um, can understand uh, the club's positions. Um, we get to a point where people just sort of get sick of it all and say, well, the easiest thing is to pull the pin. But I guess to a lot of the league's credit and the club's credit, they did um, they did hold out, I guess, in terms of the, the seniors till the last possible moment uh, where they could have got a season away. Um, but um, no, they've done, they've done a really good job, to be honest. Very hard. Um, it's easy for me. I guess, full-time to get across all these protocols and bits and pieces. But for a volunteer who's, who's working um, out there dealing with coronavirus too in their own occupations and lives, to then have to go and try and organise a football club, um, they've done really, really well, to be honest. So um, it's great to see, yeah, the junior competitions be able to, yeah, get up and going. Yeah, how important are those, those junior competitions um, for um, footy in the region and netball in the region? Yeah, absolutely pivotal. Um, to be honest, it's um, as we all know, those juniors hopefully stick around and, and fill our senior grades down the track. So very important, I think, for all our clubs um, to have those juniors playing. And I think there's a lot of parents out there that are happy to have their kids out um, playing footy. It's great for people's mental health. It's great for the community. Um, and, uh, yeah, the more juniors we can keep involved in the game, the stronger the the competitions will be in the future. So, and as far as I know, yeah, I've, I've gone and watched a few trainings. There's, um, you know, I've seen clubs that have had heaps of numbers. Um, I think that kids um, are probably seeing the game as uh, an opportunity and probably not something to take for granted, I think. We're very lucky to be able to be, pl- be playing. We look at our friends in Metro Melbourne and they don't have the same opportunity. So, in a way, we are doing it for them while we can. Um, so, yeah, no, it's... Um, been good to get the kids playing. Speaking of juniors, obviously, uh, I think Border Mail reported that the Aubrey uh, junior competition was canned today as well. So, 
you know, that's another one that bites the dust. I'm assuming the border restrictions there with Vic in New South Wales might have played a part. So, yeah, we are pretty lucky down this way, as you said, that we don't have to deal with things like that. Um, I know juniors is going to be a new competition this year for the Hampton and the Warrnambool District Leagues, how they go about it, and the, the Greater uh, Western Junior Comp as well. Um, with regards to clubs, I know they're going to have to be quite nimble or agile, as Gil McLaughlin's saying in the AFL, because mm. some teams aren't going to have some clubs aren't going to have teams in certain grades. Um, are you confident that the clubs will be able to manage that amongst themselves when they do come up against teams that? might not feature an under-16 team or an under-15 team? Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, all the clubs are willing to work with each other, given the circumstances. I think, yeah, we can sort of see that with the Hamden League playing a midweek game with the Hawks. Um, you know, tonight there's a game in Portland, um, so we've got um, people finishing school and work and having to get in the car and go across to Portland, um, which isn't appealing, but... I think that um, yeah, parents and players and clubs are willing to, to meet in the middle to get the competition going. Um, we see, um, you know, Paul and Croyd, which I think I just saw before, they, they're going to go ahead and play this weekend, but there was a bit of conjecture, I guess, whether they're going to play, and people just accept that, that that's what we're dealing with. We don't, we don't know if next week's going to go ahead. We don't know for now, but at least we can sort of plan for it. Um, yeah, so that they are, like you say, they are being nimble and agile as best as they can. Yeah, and obviously around the some of the grades as well, we've had the, the issues around the line with the adults um, being 19 and over and the eight and a half. Um, have they worked around that and how, how does um, our Western District's sort of view on that and how is there an exemption for kids if they can play if they turn 19 this year or is there, is there not? Yeah, unfortunately the line's pretty strict there, so that's a federal um, AIS sort of guideline um, that there has to be, I guess there has to be online somewhere. Um, between a junior and an adult and uh, look we're talking we are one sport um, there's plenty of other sports that be in the same boat um, it's very very unfortunate I guess for a, someone to be in that category uh, where they do miss out um, yeah look we, we'll definitely push the case as a sport as much as we can I'm sure other sports are out there as well um, but I can definitely still understand um, the rationale behind that rule and that there has to be a line somewhere and that's where it is um, but yeah, very, very unfortunate for those kids that are impacted by that. So you're saying you guys are lobbying with the government at the moment, or what's the, the case with that? Yeah, we'll talk to the. Yeah, we'll definitely speak to the relevant people in um, in government and the health department. Um, but uh, yeah, look, it's, like I said, we're one sport. Um, with the Hammond League are unique in that they do have that under eight and a half competition. The district league don't have the same issue, given that. Um, all their players have to be under 18 at 1st of January, so they're not going to have the same issue. And, um, yeah, look, we ran the numbers across the Hammond League and, yeah, there was about 32 kids, if those lists were maintained from last year, that would be impacted, which is about three to four per club. So we don't see it in terms of numbers for the club being a big issue, but at the same time we recognise that, yeah, it's a big impact to those kids. Um, given, you know, we're, we're very pressed for time, um, the government... Uh, you know, it takes a while from the work through the restrictions. Um, unfortunately, the, the realistic proposition is that that's probably not going to change um, anytime soon in the next month or two. Really uncertain times at the moment, but I guess, as you said, there are some positives that are, that are coming out of it with us being able to get back to, to junior footy and everything like that, Matt. In our region in particular, it's obviously it's probably footy heartland. Where do you see the future of footy? Yeah, that's a pretty big question, Nick. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I'm bullish. 
bullish on the future of footy and, and, and the netball clubs down here. Um, I think that people, um, and me personally, I, I feel that way. Like, we've always lived with footy clubs around. It's like it's a given that every Saturday and Sunday there's a footy game on. But I think we come out of this that people really cherish those clubs and, and want to support them as best they can. Um whether that be, you know, the local community getting around them a little bit more or the sponsors say, yeah, no, we understand uh, our importance to the sustainability of the game. Um, you know, even numbers, uh, like I said before, increasing over time. Um, like I said before too, I think our processes are definitely going to improve um, using technology. Um, are we going to have more of our younger, say, senior players just out of the game willing to volunteer for their club and give back? Um, a bit to make sure their club survives into the future. I think all of these things will probably come off the back of this um, and it's our connection to community like this. There's some clubs where that's the only place where someone might see um, their mates for the week so um, I think there's enough energy in the community to keep it going um, into the future so yeah, look, I'm, I'm really bullish on it um, Time will tell I think we just need to see yeah, what happens at the end of this um, but, yeah, it's, it's really anyone's guess outside of that. I know you mentioned sponsors there. They're a pretty important part of life for any any footy club or any you know any footy netball club, really. Um, in some of the, the, the talks you've had with clubs, how, how is that looking for them? I know speaking to a couple, they think it's they're going to emerge okay in terms of sponsorship, but um, is that the, the sort of message you've been getting? Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. Like... Um, a lot of businesses are, are down in, in revenue, so obviously they start to look at their discretionary expenses and sponsorship. Um, for some businesses, is, is something that's a luxury um, to put back into the community, which is totally understandable. Um, it, I think it depends too on the type of industries that clubs are linked with. Like some of the industries around here seem to be going okay at the moment, whereas some are more heavily impacted. So you look at your pubs and clubs are definitely impacted, whereas maybe I'm told you know some of the agricultural um, sort of organisations are still going okay. Mm. Um, I think it comes down to that. Um, yeah, look, it's um, it's something that probably will continue this year. I think um, most clubs um, have probably given their sponsors a bit of reprieve in terms of the dollars having to be put in, given that there's no you know cost for that club to run. So um, hopefully, with that sort of buffer, that next year those sponsors can jump back in. But as you say. Yeah, vitally important um, that our sponsors give us the support, but vitally important, I think, that our sporting community give back to them as well, which, yeah, most clubs have had really good um, promotions with local businesses and been able to give back. So I think that's been a really good thing to come out of it too, is to see that we're all part of one big ecosystem and um, everyone's got their sort of bit to play. So, With regards to the future too, Matt, I mean, obviously in-country and uh, metropolitan football player payments have become a really big thing um, and at times quite um, hefty for clubs. Do you think that this might see that be pegged back a little bit and become more of a play for the love of the game? Yeah, that's another big question, Justine. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely varying opinions out there on, on where salary caps are and where they should be. Um, yeah, you talk to the clubs, they've all got different um different opinions but I mean we still talk about clubs in our in even in western districts in different situations some are some are remotely located and um you know they might be just a couple of players short and need to pay a little bit extra to get someone to drive there um whereas say some of our clubs more in the populous areas um don't necessarily have that travel factor but I think I think there's an appetite um from most of the clubs I talk to to, to maybe have some reductions in that cap going forward 
Um, I don't think – I think we could nearly bet to say that they're probably not going to go up. Um, but I think where our caps are, they're, they're at a good level. We don't have many clubs really reaching those caps um, by and large. So um, so that's something that, yeah, we'll start to work towards pretty soon and, and hopefully um, give those clubs a certainty so they can plan for next year as well. Um, I guess with regards to your first five months as well, Matt, in the job, as you said, it's been – unusual to say the least um has there been anything you've noticed during your time that you think oh we can really work on this area for the betterment of the game or for the betterment of the clubs or anything like that um yeah probably um we probably i think goes back to the juniors i think they're key to, to everything i think um there's a few probably hot spots i think in our area we need to work on is junior growth and retention um getting those kids um into oskick and then into our clubs creating a really good environment that they want to stick around um and, and go on and sort of fill those senior numbers i know that you know we've got a lot of kids that moved to melbourne for uni or job opportunities so unfortunately in terms of our geography and you know the university dropping numbers doesn't really help our cause in that side of things i think the other thing that we really probably need to work on is our um, umpiring growth and retention as well. So, yeah, umpiring groups um, are very important to the to the competitions, and without the umpires, we um, we don't have a game. So, uh, what are our strategies to to get um, umpires into the into that field? Do we need to sort of have it so that we can get more players, ex players, into the umpiring ranks? Um, I just think that those two things, the umpire and the juniors, um, as well as I think just working efficiently and lower cost. Um, they're probably the key areas that we probably need to improve in the biggest opportunity spots. It's obviously been a pretty full-on time for yourself running the AFL Western District. How do you feel for someone like uh, Gil McLaughlin at the AFL at the moment? They've obviously having curveball after curveball thrown at them and today announced that the 10 big clubs will be based up in Queensland for the rest of the home and away season. Um, how do you think that the AFL's handled this unusual uh, state of play? Yeah, well, I don't know if Gil listens to this, but um, no, I think he's I think he's doing a good job. Um, it, it'd be a very tough tough role. They're, like you said before, nimble, agile. Um, uh, I think that we've been very lucky uh, with the timing of everything to get those clubs out of Victoria when things got pretty hairy. But um, yeah, some of the terminology that's sort of been used is is you know you can only cop so many left hooks and. Every, every day we sort of get up and I think even at a local level, you know, something will happen over the weekend where there's a spike in cases or, you know, the metro area will be shut down or, you know, another competition will be cancelled. It's just, um, it is hard to push through those that bad news, but I think we're, we're here to put a game on and that's sort of what drives us. So that's sort of kept me going. But, yeah, definitely, um, I definitely think they're doing a pretty good job um, at that level to sort of keep the game going. And it's given the community something to talk about other than COVID-19, which is a good thing. Most definitely. I think we're all sick of saying COVID-19 or <laughs> pandemic or socially distancing, so... Precisely. <laughs> yeah, and also, you spoke about adaptability early on with clubs. Um, How has AFL Western District adapted to this whole situation? Yeah, so... Um, Obviously, with the seasons um, blown ice, pretty much we've we've had to you know look at our costs and our revenue base, and we've had to reduce our hours um, down. So it's definitely impacted us from a teaming team, team um, resourcing perspective. But I'm really proud of our team that we've been able to maintain those reduced hours and continue to support the clubs. Um, 
yeah, it's forced upon us, uh, you know, to make sure we're operating as, operating as lean as we can um, to get through because, um, you know, we play an important role in uh, setting up those competitions um, and working for those clubs and leagues in, in putting the game on. So um, we, we've definitely looked at everything we do. Um, and, you know, we're using technology where, where we can. We're, we're not, um, in terms of the virus, we're not out meeting face-to-face as much as we usually would have been. Um, uh, yeah, pretty much every part of our operations under review. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of what we've been doing um, in terms of an organisation. Matt, thank you so much for your time and um, pleasure to have you on the main break. Yeah, no, thanks everyone for having me. Cheers. Excellent.